You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to take a deep dive into what's been going on in Washington Commander's training camp with Hogshaven editor Brian Stabby. He's going to join us in just a few minutes. We'll get the lowdown on Carson Wentz, the offense, the defense, Ron Rivera, and the crazy, tumultuous offseason the commanders have had, and really the crazy off-seasons they always seem to have. So uh, we'll dive into all that stuff coming up here. We'll get a real good look at the enemy here with Brian Stabby in just a few minutes here on Eye on the Enemy. Uh, but Eagles training camp is in full swing right now, as, of course, you are keeping aware of with BleedingGreenNation.com's daily recaps of training camp practice. I got to say the Jalen Hurts stock up, stock down has been very informative so far. Uh, if you if you just look at what BLG's uh, been been keeping an eye on and, and really what all the beat writers have been looking at as far as Jalen Hurts and the offense goes, right now the defense is well ahead of the offense, and Hurts has had a couple of good practices, but largely speaking, looking a lot like the quarterback we saw last year. But again, it's still early in training camp. No judgment being made on Jalen Hurts by me uh, just yet, and I really don't think by anybody else. We'll see what he does during the regular season. But um if you feel like training camp has been a little bit boring so far this year, I got to tell you, I, I think you're right. Really, the Jalen Hurts storyline is the only storyline that is terribly interesting. The only thing you want to hope to see is players not getting injured. It was a little concerning that uh, Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard both seemed to suffer concussions at some point this week, and so they were both out at the end of the week of their respective practices and will likely be out for another couple of days, I would think, until they clear the concussion protocol. It doesn't sound like either one was serious because Nick Sirianni couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was in the practice that both suffered concussions, but uh, nevertheless, that's not exactly what you want to hear. And I know Devontae Smith was on the sidelines with a, a hamstring that they're being very careful with, and so so some of the normal wear and tear at the beginning of training camp so far, and I know it's a lighter hitting training camp, but the players are in pads now. So it's interesting they got concussions, Mylotta and um, and and Dillard with those uh, the big safety helmets that they're that they're wearing now. If you haven't seen those, it's they're, they're <laughs> looks like they look like Rock'em Sock'em robot hats, uh, but it's designed to keep their the, the players' heads protected, but there's only so much you can do when you're playing tackle football in pads. And so hopefully Dillard and, and Mylotta and Smith will be back on the practice field soon, but really uh, Jalen Hurts is focusing a lot of his attention on A.J. Brown here early in training camp, and that's good because they're new and they need to work out some chemistry together, and I think we all believe Devontae Smith in, is going to progress here in year number two and continue to be a very valuable member of the receiving core. But it has been a boring training camp. Really, for, for the most part, all of the positional battles have been decided at this point. There's an interesting battle going on at safety between three players. Uh, you have uh, Tart, Harris, and Epps battling for two spots. And really, there's a backup tight end job that needs to be won. And um, 
the fourth cornerback job kind of needs to be won, but there's not a whole lot. And you know, how are the, how are the running back carries going to shake out, but it's a running back by committee anyway. So it's been a boring training camp so far, but that's okay. That's good. The teams that have really interesting training camps, really exciting training camps are usually the ones where you've got multiple players battling it out for multiple starting positions, in which case that means your team may not be all that good. Um, you know, some of the some of the teams out there that don't know who their starting wide receivers are going to be. They don't know who their starting edge rushers are going to be. They have no idea who's going to be their second cornerback. You know, those are the teams that oftentimes struggle in the regular season. The good teams, generally speaking, know what their starting lineup is going to be right from jump. And I think that's why we feel like the Eagles are going to be a good team is because we know pretty much who the starting who's going to be in the starting lineup in week one against the Detroit Lions so yeah a little bit of a I wrote about this for Bleeding Green Nation this week just a a little bit of a boring training camp so far but um, that should not annoy anybody that is a good thing uh, that the that Eagles training camp may not necessarily have the juice that past Eagles training camps have had well now that training camp is in full swing we're going to be hopping around some of the different teams with inside the NFC and we're going to start inside the division which as we always know is the most important division in football the NFC East and we're going to head down to where I live the Washington DC area and we're going to check in on the Washington Commanders through the first week or so of training camp and joining me to do that is the editor for the SB Nation Washington Commanders site Hogshaven Brian Stabby joining the podcast you can follow him on Twitter at bstabby that's b s t T-A-B-B-E. Brian, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you again. I think we talked to you last year around somewhere close to the same time to get a temperature check on the commanders. And I know uh, you all over at Hogshaven have your finger on the pulse there. So um, before we get into any specifics, before we get into any uh, players or matchups or training camp battles, just give me a general sense of how the fan base is feeling, what the vibes are. Uh, around the Washington Commanders as they head into 2022? I think there is a uh, very real sentiment that folks are extremely happy that this offseason is over. It has not (laughs) been a terribly fun one, predominantly for non-football-related reasons, by and large. Uh, So for the fact alone that there are things to talk about that relate to X's and O's and between the lines... Uh, is a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, that gives us our own other set of things to get worked up into a tizzy about that um, <laughs> in the real world may mean slightly less than all of the hubbub, hullabaloo. I don't know how many things I can say to sort of dance around the the big issues that they had this offseason. But I think from a football perspective, you know, there's this is like the best time of the year to be a, a commanders fan because they, they haven't, they haven't lost anything right. yet. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's really the best time of the year to be a football fan all up, unless you're in one of those like five fan bases that uh, has found themselves in the playoffs year in a year out. But right. yeah, I mean, there's unbridled optimism in a way that is broadly warranted because you're allowed to have optimism at this time of the year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they made some, some moves in the offseason. I think there's some general consensus that, like, there's some excitement around some of their draft selections. Um, you know, it has been an extremely long offseason. Um, you know, they, there's some good, some bad, but, you know, right now it's it sort of is, a, all right, let's, let's focus our focus on the things that 
typical normal football fans get to pay attention to and and like and care about yeah yeah it, 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 and again living in northern virginia i'm well acquainted with all of the off-field stuff with dan snyder and uh the controversy surrounding the commanders a lot this this past off season so i know x's and o's it is better in terms of on the field play over the last couple of years since ron rivera joined uh joined the commanders and he really does seem to have brought a professional attitude as far as what's happening on the field. And we know that in the NFL, you're talking about the optimism that virtually every fan base allows themselves to feel here in early August because we know that every year there are at least one or two teams, sometimes three teams, that don't make the playoffs for previous seasons, and then they Mm -hmm. pop up. And a lot of people are talking about the Jets because of Zach Wilson. A lot of people are talking about the Lions based on how they played last year. There are a couple of teams out there that I think some folks folks think could jump up and, and, and make a splash here in the playoffs. And I guess my sense from listening to NFL experts, I don't hear that a lot about the commanders as much about other teams, but I think there's a path to the commanders surprising this year. Do you, do you, do you get a sense that the commanders could be a sneaky playoff team here in 2022? Well, with expanded playoffs and more weeks, um, and you led the show by saying what we all know that the NFC East is the most important division in football. Um, They are also, how to say this, they are a division that routinely finds themselves uh, teams playing to one another's competition level. Correct. Um, (laughs) For better or for worse, in some cases for worse. I mean, the last time that Washington made the playoffs, uh, they did so with a losing record uh, and would not have been able to have done that in any other division in football. But... um, I think that there is a scenario, and some of it a function of the competition, um, mm-hmm. but some of it, you know, they they put some pieces together. It's sort of, they brought in enough guys that sort of show demonstrable improvement at their position. Plus, the NFC East, I think, has um, largely stayed in intact and pad like there's there's not like been a humongous sea change that to me would say like oh this team is markedly better than they were a year ago and are the hands down favorite to win this division um and i suppose we can sort of talk about the division at at some point here but i think there is a potential uh for for washington to be able to kind of surprise some folks um you know, I've seen estimates between anywhere between five wins and 11 wins, which is like, yeah, well, it's the NFL. That's kind of how it goes. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Washington could could string some stuff together. I think they all up. I think they're a better this is a better constructed team than they were a year ago. So there is yeah. you have to feel optimistic sort of based on that fact alone. And a lot of that is going to come down to the quarterback play. And obviously the starting quarterback for the commanders is Carson Wentz, a guy that Eagles fans are intimately familiar with. We got to see the very best of Carson Wentz. We got to see the very middle of Carson Wentz. And we also got to see the very worst of Carson Wentz during his time in Philadelphia. Last year with Indianapolis, it seemed as if all three were wrapped up into the same season. And so now he comes comes from a situation that was perfect for him. It was designed for him with Frank Reich there and all of the support that he had from Indianapolis they they wanted him they aggressively traded for him and in, he flamed out in spectacular fashion in in one year and now he's with the commanders and I, I think the vibes around Carson it seems based on everything I've seen are are pretty good 
We know he was a talented guy. We also know he's probably not the same guy that he was before he got hurt in 2017 and before the concussion that he suffered in 20, what was it, 2019 uh, in the playoffs against the Seahawks. And so I guess my question to you is how has Carson Wentz looked so far in training camp? What is the buzz around Carson so far amongst uh, amongst the commander's uh, coaching staff and amongst the fan base? Uh, Eagles fans as much or more than anyone else knows that uh, Carson Wentz contains multitudes um, Mm -hmm. in for better or for worse. Um, You know, he has great weeks. He has bad weeks. I think, you know, a lot is made of how things didn't quite work out for him in Indianapolis. And, you know, there's a lot of like, well, they were, they were in the driver's seat to make the playoffs and then they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, of Mm -hmm. course, you're, you, the natural inclination there is to pin it on your quarterback. I think it is a more, you know, in, now in retrospect, is like a slightly more complicated set of circumstances than just saying, well, it's Wentz's fault that they didn't make the playoffs and therefore he's washed. Um, I don't think he is washed. I think he is an improvement on what we had last year with Taylor Heineke. Like, we, we know what we have with Taylor Heineke. We've seen it. Right. We've seen right. the best. The, the floor the floor is sort of a lot farther down and you know he's he's a guy who you know maybe under the the right set of circumstances can end up being a, a chase daniel type where like mm-hmm. a valuable backup for a different teams for many years um i mean that's kind of the dream as a as a qb2 he's not going to be able he's not a franchise quarterback and so they had to make the call to go out and and get a guy who could under the right circumstances perform at that level um i think there was a lot of hand-wringing early on um you know this move happened like pretty early in the offseason so there's been now a lot of time for for um cooler heads to prevail i'm not gonna say that i am or even that the the fan base is fully wentz-pilled at this point but uh, you know he he represents an upgrade from where they were a year ago. I think his ceiling probably is in that 10 to 15 range um, at the position over the, you know, when you, when you match him up against other guys around the league, as it relates to camp, uh, look, it's, it's hard. I know there is a lot of um, graphs that tweet writer that beat writers have to to put together and like yeah. people are starved yeah. for content <laughs> yeah like mini camp twitter is is my personal hell um, yeah shortly yeah. followed by training camp twitter um <laughs> they they i guess you know it's two sides of every coin um by all accounts early on it's been like a little bit rocky which, you know, in one light is to say, oh, well, the defense is looking really good. And in another set of circumstances, they say, well, Carson Wentz is a bum. And, like, how is he throwing picks in, in training camp and practice? It's like, well, listen, he's under a new offensive system, new players, new coaches, new terminologies. So it's, like, really hard to put too much stock into any of this. That's not to right. say that people won't do it because they 100% will and currently are. Uh, so, look... They are at that position markedly better than where they were a year ago, and that's all up. So another year, Taylor Heineke, presumably as the number two at the backup. They draft Sam Howell out of UNC, who a lot of folks are 
excited about his prospects as a guy that they can develop and potentially see if he could be a suitable actual starter in this league. I mean, he has a cannon. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is a welcome upgrade over Taylor Heineke from last year. So listen, with Wentz, it's really hard to make too much of an assessment based on the fact that you know he hasn't yeah. actually taken any meaningful snaps. That's not to say that people won't try to make that assessment and haven't because they are and they, they will continue to. But you know, I think whereas early on there was a lot of like, how could they do this? This is insane. That has kind of subsided. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, now that folks seem to have a better understanding of like what the salary situation is and their cap and like what will they owe him after this year, which is right. func- functionally nothing. Yeah. This to me feels like a really good deal because they were not a quarterback away from being a playoff, like a deep playoff contender. So it is iterative, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, maybe not the the silver bullet, I, but I think that folks are not necessarily expecting that, or at least not the reasonable ones are. Yeah, and I think what you're saying about Wentz and his performance in training camp so far is not unusual. From I mean, it, we're right now doing a stock up, stock down of Jalen Hurts after every training camp practice, and right. you know, yeah. based on what you can glean off of those practices, and and Jalen Hurts has had a rocky training camp so far. I've been hearing the same thing about Daniel Jones in New York. So I mean, it's just in this division, there's one sure thing at quarterback, and that's Dak, and everybody else is probably the second best quarterback in this in this division is going to be the second team that goes to the playoffs. And that's right. That's likely how it's going to how it's going to shake out here in, in 2022. But uh, obviously, Eagles fans will be watching Wentz closely And the nightmare, of course, is in him coming into Philadelphia and throwing for 350 yards and a in a in a big win over over the Eagles. But I guess we'll uh, we'll wait and see. I know a lot of the focus in training camp is also on the rookies and um, the guys got a new wide receiver and Jahan Dotson from from Penn State yeah. um, looking to add him to the mix with Terry McLaurin, who's finally signed that uh, contract extension this offseason. And I'm sure that was a huge weight off of everybody's shoulders. And um, they join uh, Curtis Samuel um, as a as a trio that, if they're healthy, could be pretty interesting. How is the re- how have the receivers looked so far in camp? Well, Curtis Samuel continues to be the champion of working off on the side during practices, <laughs> uh, as he yeah. has continued. This is now he's the reigning champion three years running. Um, you know, with Samuel, it's like the ceiling is so high that I think folks have been extremely frustrated. And he himself has expressed how frustrated he's been, where um, he's it's been hard for him to reconcile feeling one way but not being able to produce in a way that, you know, he's a competitive guy. He's an NFL wide receiver. I mean, and, you know, when healthy, has shown himself to be incredibly capable and incredibly talented, but we haven't seen it yet because of sort of these lingering I- injuries. Uh, you know, if if healthy, and again, huge asterisk, big if, that's the strength of the team. It goes from, like, a weakness to a strength um, on offense. And, you know, that has meant that there's been a real emphasis put on Jahan Dotson, who, you know, as you'll remember, there were all those wide receivers drafted in the first round this past yep. year. And yep. it was one where Washington traded back. It looked like there was an opportunity to get some of these other guys, you know, Olave out of Ohio State, and they ended up sort of trading out of the spot. And it sort of felt kind of weird at the time. Uh, there has been a lot of hype around Dotson. You know, he spent some time with Wentz in the offseason, and they were sort of trying to get synced up. And, 
you know, I don't know if that helps or hurts him coming in to his rookie year, but I know that there's at least a, at least some good excitement there that that pick, you know, he shows potential to bring something to this offense that was really missed in that mm-hmm. what will probably be sort of like the starting you could call it wide receiver three, but it is really just sort of like the slot guy. Um, yeah. And that's a function of sort of size and skill set. It's not a knock on him to say he, he's not a number one wide receiver. Um, but, you know, with with Samuel, I think it's still a huge question mark. He hasn't really suited up or practiced or played in the way you would hope the guy opposite Terry McLaurin would in order to be able to make it harder for defenses to game plan. It's been really incredible that McLaurin has been as successful as he has been, given that teams have really only had to game plan for him for basically the entirety of his time in the league. And he's not quarterbacks throwing him the ball either. Right. And, you know, Taylor, Taylor Heineke, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's got a noodle arm, but like, it's not his, his skill set. Yeah. In a way that Wentz, I think will be, a nice addition to sort of give McLaurin some flexibility to do some stuff he wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And, you know, I, I talked about how it was kind of a rough offseason all up, but getting McLaurin signed to that deal is the maybe the biggest win we've seen from, like, a, a signing and, and returning standpoint that this team has had in, like, several years. Yeah. And, you know, people were, if they had gone into camp, and not have the situation resolved, people would be would be rioting in the streets. Um, yeah. I, it would have been really, really bad if all we were talking about right now is that Terry McLaurin didn't have a longer-term contract. So, like, to have that one wrapped up is a real welcome sense of, of respite that we're mm-hmm. largely unaccustomed to around these parts. Um, yeah. So, you know, just to not have that hanging over our heads is like a win in and of itself. Yeah, it may be a less interesting training camp, but uh, certainly a more peaceful and happier training camp with Terry McLaurin in the knowing that. And it's just been unusual for Washington players to sign long term deals. uh, And maybe that's a maybe that's a sign of good things to come with Ron Rivera there. Um, One of the one of your star players is Chase Young. And uh, Ron Rivera mentioned last week that uh, he would not be ready for week one. Has there been any decision on whether to put him on the pup list? I haven't seen it if there is. But uh, what are the. What's the likelihood? How much time are we expecting to be without Chase Young, or how are the commanders expected to be without Chase Young to start the season? Yeah, it seems like he is hurt and more hurt than I think a lot of people had hoped and more people had expected. Um, They have tried to sort of keep this one a little bit more under wraps. Um, There's a lot of reading the tea leaves around these parts to say, well, you know, like if you look at the schedule, maybe he's a good fit to come back here. But it's like short of being in the the room and sort of getting a sense from the the training staff, it is hard to know uh, if I had to guess. And this is a sort of an uneducated um, I'm I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'd say he probably misses the first three or four games of the year. Um, just sort of based on where he's at right now. It it seems like they're basically still starting at zero with him. Um, Mm -hmm. The injury was was bad last year. And, you know, the medical technology in the league, this is an injury that would have, could have been career-ending even 10 years ago. So the fact that, like, there are guys who come back from this and can play within the same season is 
incredible, but I think it also sets a somewhat unreasonable expectation. Um, all bodies are different, and guys are sort of able to rehab and come back at a different pace. I don't think it is a knock on Chase Young that he's not going to be ready to go in week one, but um, it is a disappointment nonetheless, to be sure. So as training camp is underway now and, and players are starting to mix it up, can you give me one or two players who are looking good so far in camp maybe, or, or you know, if maybe not in camp, but maybe a player or two that you are thinking could um, make a leap this year with the commanders and, and, and improve off of last year or be a, be a contributor, a larger contributor this season than maybe they have been in pre- recent seasons or a, a rookie that you expect to flash uh, this, this year? Yeah, I think that the one that is going to draw the most attention is what's going on with the linebacking group because it was certainly a weakness. Um, When you look at uh, how the D-line lined up when healthy with Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat, man for man on paper, which you know we know means very little in practice, but on paper that has to be one of the best and most talented four-man fronts in the league. Has it panned out the way that they wanted to? Certainly not. But as strong on paper as that D-line has been, the linebacking core has been like a big, big-time issue in a way where it does it shows up on more than just the stat sheet. Like, you watch games, and, you know, short of watching the All-22, it's a little bit challenging to sort of see how um, defenses line up and whatever, yada, yada. But, like, based on what's available on the screen – that area of the field sort of like between the linebackers and the safeties was just like they were just getting carved up a year ago. Now, they're going to put Cole Holcomb, mm-hmm. who um, really has emerged as a guy that like they're they're leaning on very heavily um, and will be the centerpiece of that linebacking group. Not a terribly flashy guy, but, like, does a lot of things really well. Like, he can defend in coverage. Like, he's not a schlub if you match him up on a tight end. Like, he's a good run stopper. He's going to be in the middle. I think the one that everyone is going to be looking at with the greatest focus and uh, the most critical eye is Jamin Davis, who Mm -hmm. they drafted with a first-round pick out of Kentucky. I think, like, you know, probably... uh, first round second round talent but just sort of a bit of a head scratcher when they made the call and like he hasn't really played at that level some of it is a function of he's suffered from the weight of expectations and sort of like comparison um where you look at other guys in sort of his draft class and they've been really successful and even within the division, you look at Dallas, like the the way that they have improved their linebacking group, it's like, well, where are we on this? But, right. you know, there's, there's been some, I, I don't want to go so far as to say hype there, but just sort of like looking to make big steps forward, like is really committed to being the, the guy at that position. Like they're really looking to get more out of him and sort of be more reliable. So he is one that I think is going to have a... Um, kind of a target on his back a little bit uh, from a fan perspective, but also Mm. I think that he has, in order for them to be as successful as they need to on defense, like he's got to be better than he's been. Well, it's an interesting team. I I think the commanders could, could definitely emerge and make a jump this year if Carson Wentz plays well. And I think that's what everybody is, is thinking is the big difference between 
whether or not they're successful this year and uh, and, and whether or whether they're not. And uh, there's so a whole range, a whole different range of outcomes here for the commanders in 2022. And you could say the same thing for the rest of the NFC East as well. So um, as training camp goes along, if you want to keep an eye on what's been going on down in uh, the Washington, D.C. area with the commanders, make sure to check out hogshaven.com, the SB Nation commander's site, and uh, check out Brian Stabby's timeline on Twitter also. Again, it's at, at bstabby. Brian, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy again. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Just remember, folks, to check bleedinggreennation.com each and every day for the latest updates, news, rumors from training camp. And we've got podcasts coming out our ears here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed with uh, updates from training camp and all of the other great shows that uh, you know and love. Just don't forget to tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, all the different pods that we have, and leave a five-star rating and a review for Eye on the Enemy over at Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think of the show. We're also at Spotify and wherever it el- wherever else it is that you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta.